I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please be advised that Gen X This Is Why contains adult language. There is something about this particular scene that he looks indescribably gorgeous. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Gen X This Is Why, uh, the podcast that reexamines the sometimes bizarre, often scarring media from our shared childhood. My name is Amy. I'm a proud Gen Xer born in 1977, and I have fellow Gen Xer, Pamela also Bob here. 77, baby. 77. <laughs> the best year, although Elvis died. Yeah, so. exactly. I always equate it with that. Yes. I do too. Summer of Sam and Elvis dying. Yeah, for yeah, sure. I don't know. So, Pamela, you have risen to Little House fame. <laughs> <laughs> through um your series your shorts living on a prairie so why don't you just tell everybody briefly what that is about well, sure um living on a prairie is a six episode short uh comic a dark comedy i shall say about a woman with let's say social anxiety who doesn't feel like she fits into the world very well and her only sort of respite is a little house on the prairie where she feels all the love and acceptance that she wishes she can get in her real life. I feel um, like the the character's whole idea of just staying home and watching Little House on the Prairie was like the the idea of COVID before COVID hit. <laughs> totally. You know, it's funny you say that because I've often thought so we've developed it into a half hour show that we're currently trying to sell, keep your fingers crossed, um, which delves more into, you know, the character of Pamela and who she is and how she got this way and her relationships, family relationships, work relationships, all of that stuff. And I've often thought in in thinking about that character, what she must have kind of loved lockdown of course um, she did. Yeah, yeah. She was me during lockdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would she tell my therapist, I'm it. thriving yes. during lockdown. Yeah, she didn't have to be around other people. Mm -hmm, she could just sort mm -hmm. of cocoon in her own personal space um, and feel safe. I mean, listen, I know, I know I watched a lot of Little House on the Prairie during lockdown. I watched three years of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So just a quick artist question. So I'm a memoirist, so I write memoir, right? So yeah. the character in my book is me. Yeah. <laughs> so when I talk about my book, I'm always like, so I blah, 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 blah. Now I notice you talk about Pamela in third person. Yes. Is that weird for you or? Um, it's not because 
that's an actor thing, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely, you know, you write what you know, right? So mm -hmm. I'm definitely writing a lot of this from, if not direct personal experience, we've all felt out of place at one point in our lives or outside of the norm. I mean, certainly just as a Little House on the Prairie fan, you know, we're all closeted, right? Like, yes. it's not cool. I don't know. That's why you don't see like outward Little House on the Prairie stuff because it's not considered very cool. Or Well, you know why? Because those goddamn Walton fans. The Waltons. They just push us back into the closet. <laughs> Damn them. Um, but I, you know, I think just us alone being Little House on the Prairie fans, we're already sort of outside of the, what's considered the pop culture norm. Yeah. Um, and so take that and just blow it up times a thousand. And that's, that's Pamela for you. And I know that in my life, certainly in my childhood, I did feel out of place. I did feel like I didn't fit in. I did sure. feel like I loved things that were not considered current or 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 relevant in pop culture you know i was listening to the beatles and simon and garfunkel and everyone was listening to the new kids on the block i was and a john I lennon no fan i was a john lennon fan in seventh grade he had yeah, already been know? dead like 10 years right Which everybody was like we don't even know don't, who he is people don't appreciate that until you're older but you know when right. you're a kid or growing up especially in middle school i mean forget it mm -hmm. so anyway long story short Pamela in Little How in Little in, <laughs> Pamela in Living on a Prairie is not me, and also she is me. <laughs> so, so I recently just wrote a fiction book, right? I guess some people would call it a novel. Mm -hmm. um, I call it a fiction book. <laughs> Mazel tov. Why wouldn't you call it a novel? I don't know. I just clearly don't know what it's called. So I wrote this manuscript, and the character is not me, but she is me. Yeah. And you know what she is? She's a hyperbolic version of myself. Yes, yes. So it's like all those wild characteristics I have that are bizarre and odd are just heightened. So That's maybe right. it's similar to that. It's exactly that. And mm -hmm. and also as an actor, you know, an actor plays a gazillion different roles. And the commonality of that is you have to find you have to find what you relate to in whatever character you play, because your job is to bring yourself to that role, even if it's right. a completely different transformational version of yourself. But you have to find what you have in common with mm -hmm. whatever character you're playing. Otherwise, you cannot bring authenticity to it. Oh, that's um, interesting. You can't, because how are you supposed to feel like this character if you don't know what it feels like to be this character? So right. that's the work of an actor. Ultimately, that's the work of yeah. an actor. And then live in that truth and, you know, listen and respond. But also, I find as a writer, it's exactly that as well. Because yeah. you can't yeah. write what you kind of don't, kind of don't already have a understanding of and if you don't have an understanding of it you have to figure out a way to understand it oh a hundred percent so Therefore, when i was the writing, writing isn't real or authentic it doesn't yeah read as real. 
when I was doing this book, I was like, okay, this character is this person. This character is my sister. This character, like I give them all those personalities so that I'm able to write from a place of truth. Absolutely. That's that's it. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to tell my sister what character is based on her, but we can all (laughs) guess it. Like somebody walking around dressed in black, like, you know, carrying pewter statues, just being a bitch to everybody. And it doesn't mean that it is your sister, but it's your understanding (laughs) of a version of your Mm -hmm, sister. mm -hmm. Yes, it is. It is your sister. We won't say that out loud. Um, But you know, also, that's why I feel the difference between you can spot out good writing versus bad writing. I can spot writing in a heartbeat. For me, it's because I will read it and go, no one talks that way. Yes, I agree 100%. No one would I'm somebody who... Like I'm, I was raised on a steady diet of soap operas. Yes. So I consider myself a dialogue expert. Yes. yes. <laughs> and when, and I could pick up like inauthentic dialogue like that. I'm like, nope, nobody talks like that. No that would not happen. Way. Like I just, I've always been so interested in human interaction and the way right, people yeah. interact. Me too. If it's fake, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah, and you can sniff it out the second the second you think that that's not how anyone would actually talk. Like so many of these Little House episodes, Jenny and I are like, what? Well, what? Like by season nine. Yeah. That one, Laura's infamous. I'm a woman and I, is it, I'm a woman and I hate you all. (laughs) (laughs) I need this (laughs) t-shirt. I'm a woman. I'm a woman. And I hate all of you. (laughs) Oh my so God, tell us t-shirt. where can we find living on a prairie? Oh, great. Thank you. Um, yes, you can go to the website, www.livin, that's with no G, livin on bon Jovi style. Yes. Living on a prairie TV.com. You can okay. also search YouTube for us. I think we're living on a prairie on YouTube. Um, but mm-hmm. the website is great because it'll give you all the info you need. You can watch the series. And also there are the, interviews that I conducted with the original cast members of Little House on the Prairie who are all I can't I'm pinching myself saying this who are all avid fans of living on a prairie very nice <laughs> so I have who was, all, all who was the cast- best interview who was your favorite we won't tell them it'll be our secret no one um, listens to this anyway my favorite they were it had to be I Nelly have- right well, I will say but both Dean Butler and Allison, I mean, they could go on and on and on. They're they're so generous with their information and their time. So you um, know what I do with Almanzo, right? Hey everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and the reason I do that is in season six, his first few appearances, at times they had to weirdly dub his voice and he sounded like Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Okay, and he hates me, I think. This is why you're my person. This is why (laughs) we are meant to be friends, because of those little details. Um, I think he hates me. But Dean or Almanzo, I call I TV version Almanzo, book version Almanzo. That's my Mm -hmm. own personal Mm -hmm. rule. I'm going to stick to it. Um, He's just so generous. He's just, and and of course, he's come on as one of the producers for Living on a Prairie. So I'm actually working with oh, so him. So we can't talk shit about him. Okay, we love him. No, we love him. I, I love and adore him. And he's exactly what you want him to be, which yes. is kind and generous and smart. And, and you um, know what? The casting of him to make out with the 16-year-old was not his fault. He was 15 when he first started. Oh, that was oh, not his fault. I know. It he probably was. did the best he could with that. <laughs> uh, uh, so 
so I've gross. seen interviews with him where he talks about that. And he's like, yeah, well, oh. I talked to him about it. But oh, I maybe I saw it. yours. And he was kind of uh, like, yeah. Oh. I mean, you know, something as a kid I never thought about was like, what must it have? I always thought about what must it have been like for her to play yeah. this sweeping romance with this grown ass adult. But right. now that I'm an adult, now that I'm an adult, <laughs> it's sort of flipped to oh my God, what must have been like to have been a grown-ass adult playing this sweeping romance with a 15-year-old girl? I know, I know. have never been kissed before. I know. Did um, you interview her? Did you interview Melissa Gilbert? No, Melissa Gilbert has not, um, I'm going to put in parentheses, yet mm. agreed to talk to me. <laughs> really? I don't, I don't know what the... Uh, I, I'm I'm not gonna make up a story. I don't know what the I don't know what it is. I um, hmm. I I am hoping that a project that myself and the cast of Little House on the Prairie are hopefully going to be working on for the fiftieth anniversary next year hmm. um, will guarantee that I will have personal contact with her. But you know, okay. that's we're gonna we're gonna just keep the optimism. You, do you going. follow her little New York journey on Instagram? Yeah, yeah. I mean, she seems better than ever, right? Yeah, like, she seems she great. Look, she looks amazing. Yep looks so healthy and beautiful and she seems like she's in a now I'm going to talk as if I know her personally she seems okay, like she's in such a good place she's in a great place <laughs> it's good to see her like this yes I'm all for I'm rooting for Melissa Gilbert hey yes. we grew up with her we grew yeah. up with her yeah she's absolutely. ours absolutely. she's ours um, yep. yeah and then Alison Arngram I mean you don't have to be interviewing her for her to talk for hours about she's amazing all amazing stories and experiences and we interviewed karen grassley so how was your experience with that because i'll tell you she was the one interview i was almost puking i was so nervous to talk to her she i felt like she was really reserved yeah she's a classy lady you know what i mean like she's classy she's all class Mm -hmm. she also doesn't suffer fools you know what i mean so like correct 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 I think I, the fact that she agreed to be interviewed by me because she liked my show and she respected it and she recognized mm-hmm. that there was something, that there was something there was yeah. a boon in itself for me. Uh, and so I, I also knew I, did, I couldn't waste her time. And I also knew that I wanted to talk to her about things that other people in a general interview with her were not going to talk about, such as... You know, the sexism, the sort of uncouth set culture that was the 70s. On we that totally show. talked to her about that. We our, had to. You know, yep. and, 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 and not taking anything away from Michael Landon, but this was part of the his culture. Soul. God bless his soul. We love him, not disparaging him. But, you know, it was tough. And I he think he was that- a total product of his time, though. Absolutely. I'm not excusing it. No, but that was, you know, when, like, like, I feel the same way kind of about John Lennon. I love him. I worship him. But if you're a true fan of John Lennon, you know, he was an asshole. He's an awful guy. Yeah. Right. Like, that's just it. And you love him faults and all. And I feel the same way about Michael Lennon. Like, people really pushed back on her with her book for disparaging him. Quote unquote. I got, I got um, sort of hate, a couple of hate Oh, messages mm-hmm. from you know the michael landon fan page or whatever yeah. 
because we were disparaging him. We didn't, we were not disparaging him. We weren't. And it's not like, it's, so I feel like it's, it's sort of, there's some gray area between the Me Too movement and what Michael Landon did, right? And that gray area is like, he was very much a product of his time. Yes. I don't think he acted maliciously. No. I don't well, think, you know, I do think he treated her maliciously when their contract thing, but I'm talking about like the sexism on the set and stuff like that. Like, I think that was just the culture, unfortunately. Right. I mean, no one, no one could actually accuse Michael Lennon of being a racist. Look what he wrote. Look what he actually believed in. It was the culture. Yeah. And she was ahead of her game, ahead Mm -hmm. of her time. Yes, she was. And they didn't know how to handle that. And, you know, she had to keep this secret for over 45 years. Could you imagine being sort of abused in the way she was and having this legacy, which is a very beloved but fictitious version of what this experience was? Well, and I'll tell you, we, so we're doing, and and part of what we're doing today is a little viewer's choice. The viewers, we finished the season. We went through season nine and we, we decided like, Hey, everybody, Oh God. (laughs) Hey everybody, give us like two or three episodes. You'd like us to go back and cover that we didn't. So, um, one of like, they were all from season one, two, and three. And the contrast between their relationship in those seasons and the later seasons, it's so obvious. Yeah. Like in seasons one and two, they're like rolling around in bed together. They're making sex jokes. It's like, and then you, you know, you get to season four or five, we hardly see her. Yeah. Yeah. He did. He did her dirty. He really did. Yeah, he did. Um, And which is also a shame because that character should have had so much more than what she was given yeah you know a wife on the prairie and listen we also know that as the years went on the story got more fairy tale than Mm -hmm. than realistic yeah which is i mean we love it that's great but um yeah ma should have had way more substance than she did and i actually now watching her knowing what i know I watch her performance and sort of marvel by how graceful she is, by how she took kind of these, you know, she's always serving food or she's always, t- you know, it's, it's know. very archetypal. And she played it very smartly as an actor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you don't really realize that until maybe when you're older or as an actor, when you look at, oh, look at the material she actually had to make work. Well, it's so funny because you feel like her, and we'll get to our episode. I'm sorry, guys, I'm chit-chatting, but um, you feel like her character is kind of antithetical to who she is at her core, right? Absolutely. But you feel like Michael Landon's character is kind of dead on. I, I absolutely <laughs> agree. And let me tell you, this is another fun thing that happened this summer. I was in the Bay Area and I contacted um, Karen and I said, hey, I'm here. I'd love to meet you in person if you're up to it. And she invited me over to her house. <gasps> and so I went over. I was with my aunt who lives out there and I brought mm-hmm. my aunt with me and she had us over for tea and cookies and snacks in her beautiful home. Wow. And we talked for a couple of hours and she is, um, she's just wonderful. Yeah. She's just wonderful. She was a feminist before, you know, it was really cool to do. Yeah, totally. 
So imagine being that kind of feminist in the 70s uh, and having to put up with all of that crap. And then being written a character to be to deny that character anything deeper than just being a happy homemaker. Right, right. Like, I want to see her beating the shit out of Mary, getting yeah. all those cows out of the barn, crisis <laughs> hair down, potentially Crisis-hair. banging the handyman. I want to see yeah. all that. Yeah. Absolutely. Although that handyman, hmm. I'm all no. for the handyman. <laughs> no, no, he's he's a stupid like Paul wannabe. <laughs> okay, so today we are covering Little House on the Prairie, season one, episode nine, Ma's Holiday, or as I call it, Ma's Bang Trip. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> reads while on a second honeymoon to, with Charles in Mankato. Carolyn can't help worrying about what's happening back home in Walnut Grove, where old friend Mr. Edwards finds that babysitting three active little girls, not as simple as it seems. Okay. All right, here we go, Pamela. Interject when you need to. Okay. (laughs) Summary here. So we open on the family at breakfast, and Mary is already narking people out. She's narking out Willie. She's like, Miss Beetle, how to make him stay after class for three days in a row because of talking. And I will say this. I was always in trouble for talking in school. Were you? I was always. I um I remember my parents when they had a parent teacher conference. This is in fourth grade, I think. They told my parents that um my problem was I raised my hand too much. <laughs> and they were like, What's the problem with that? And they were like, Well, she wants to participate and she always wants to, you know, answer questions and and it's not fair to the other kids. But were you doing fun. the like arm up going, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Mr. Cotter, Mr. Cotter. Um, uh, I don't know if I was doing that, but yeah, I got the she's too involved comment. Okay. Right. That's such a Gen X thing. Like stop being involved in school. Yeah. Stop yeah. being Just so sit bright. there and shut up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so Paul looks amazing. Now I want to talk about when you think Paul is at his hottest. Okay, because there's season one, Paw, let me remind you, fallen out of the tree. Yes, chest. Season two, Paw, he's got the pink striped shirt on, the suspenders, the lifts. Yes. Looking real hot. Season three, he's starting to get a little gray. By season four, you know, I've I've lost interest by season four. Interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I never lost interest in Paw, but I will say. I never lost interest, but I think his... His hotness hot, peaked for hot me. O-meter, hot season O-meter. three. Yeah. Um, I will say he looked damn good in this episode. I mean, he looked so good in this episode. Now I have to say, as a kid, I always recognized that Pa was gorgeous, but yes. I did have the fatherly version of him in my heart. Yes. Um, as an adult, that has yes. flipped. <laughs> <laughs> Into the more husbandly version. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know. That, I mean, the man knew what the hell he was doing. The, the, we'll get to the shirtless moment with him in this episode, <laughs> which is so much. Um, he just looks amazing. He, he looks, looks amazing, amazing all the time. I don't know if all I have right. a season where I think he's peaked. I, I, I'm a consistent pa. But person. would you say this is this is we're in the golden era right now? I mean, season yeah, one I is. Mean, I, I would say season, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to revisit that. Revisit okay. the 
yearly paw differences. <laughs> Just watch like the pilot episode from every season. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. then re, you know, come in with the judgment because you have nothing okay. else to do. So just get on that. That's a challenge I do not mind doing. <laughs> All challenge right, accepted. So I wrote, Paul looks amazing. He says he's taking a trip to Mankato, and he thinks Ma should come along with him and have herself a holiday. And I love when she's like, "Oh, Charles!" Like she does it all the time. <laughs> The girls are like, go, Ma, go, Ma, we'll be fine. And Laura, so fucking cute, has a little milk mustache. Yes, she does. Oh, these girls are so cute in this episode. So Carolyn says, Charles, you can't expect me to go traipsing off. Now, traipsing was a favorite word of my grandmother's. (laughs) Traipsing. She used to talk about my grandfather, who was a drinker, but anyone was a drinker compared to my grandmother, who once had a sip of something and got drunk for six weeks. Um, she would say he would go traipsing all over town, which meant like he was just going to the local bar down the street. Right. Whatever. So she says, you can't expect me to go traipsing off and leave three girls on the prairie. And he's like, I'll have Grace looking on them. But Carolyn's like, I don't think it's appropriate to have another woman move in. Now, I would have another woman move in and take care of my kids. A thousand percent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, well, I already asked her. And guess what? It's happening. So Ma and Pa are officially going on a bank trip. Now, here's my thoughts during this entire conversation. Okay. Is she really wrong? Like, this is when, like, the TV fiction versus what the actual reality of that situation. That's that's when it's like, Michael Landon, come on. Like, you would not leave three children alone on the prairie, even if another adult was with them. Like, you wouldn't. Well, that is well, dangerous. Okay, so later I wrote this, but I'll I'll bring it up now. Think of how hard this would have been. Like you can't call to check in. Nope. You have no idea. You literally have to hope everybody's alive when you get home. Yeah, and the and also like I would assume, and also based on what it seems like from the books, like this was hard living. Yeah, this was not like yeah. suburban modern day crap this was they could get little housed at any moment any at moment any that house collapsed right on top of them yes they could get little housed at any moment oh yeah my so God. i think she's uh absolutely right in being like hell to the no i'm not leaving them but alone then but there. then pamela you have charles asking you to go on a bank trip i know and they do share a very small house and don't have any privacy right. whatsoever right. i've talked about this many times I think they have to sneak out to the drama bar. They have to. (laughs) There's no way. All right. So Charles takes a ride out to the Edwards and there's Grace. And it's the worst acting ever where she pretends she has a sore throat. (laughs) I mean, the choice. It's a bold choice. Mm -hmm. It is. That Mm -hmm. way. But she must have obviously been directed to do it that extreme i'm sure it's against her will because we've seen her act in other things and she's a perfectly fine actress yes Yes. i'm not sure i understand my siri doesn't even understand (laughs) how that activated that is so funny siri agrees with me so grace is basically like i'm sorry i screwed you (laughs) right and again no phones to let them know in advance nope no phones so charles gets back on the wagon he's heartbroken and he heads home to break the news. Meanwhile, Carolyn's in the house. She's getting the girls all ready. And Pa arrives alone. And they're all like, oh, shit. And Pa's like, not happening. And Ma's like, it's probably for the best. And then we hear old Dan Tucker being whistled. Now, is he just walking by? 
Yeah, why is he here? What's he I doing? Don't, I don't I thought maybe he was gonna like come over and be like, Oh, Charles, Grace told me you're screwed, let me help you yeah. out. But it seemed like no. he was just walking by. Just a random visit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the girls run to Mr. Edwards and they're like, Can you stay with us? And he says, If you behave yourselves and mind what you're told, I'll stay with you. I can't imagine any situation on earth where I'm leaving Mr. Edwards with my kids. No, the whole thing is a little, uh, oh God, here, here's when my, um, current day adult parent mind catches up first, the little house on the prairie bubble that I wish I could still have as childlike eyes, but, and maybe I've been watching too many or listening to too many true crime podcasts. <laughs> But leaving that man with three small girls mm -hmm, mm -hmm. would never in a million years happen for me. Would <laughs> never happen for me. Never. never. We love him, but no. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. Okay. So Edwards and... Carolyn doesn't like it either. She's Carolyn like, does uh, She is so uncomfortable with this yeah, situation. Super uncomfortable. They run in the house. They tell mom the good news. And Carolyn's like, uh, well, maybe yeah. they were boys. And then she's like, don't you have to work? Well, that's so funny. When she was like, maybe if they were boys. I was like, yes. yes. And then I realized she was talking about that they could be stronger farmhands for him. But I was like, no, no, no. I don't care no, about that. It would just be more appropriate. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> So Edwards is like, I got this. Don't worry. And I just wrote, Paul is real horned up over this bang trip. Like he big, is raring to go. Time. Gonna make it happen. Gonna make another baby. Yep. You know, now that I think about it, I'm shocked he didn't recast her. Like, I'm glad he didn't. But I'm shocked he didn't. I, you know, I don't, could he have? Like, would the audience have accepted that? I don't think so. She probably also signed like a seven-year contract when she got the job. That's true. That's true. Mm -hmm. So he, he, I don't know. I'm talking out of my, but I don't know if this is real or not, but yeah. he might not have been able to break her contract, Maybe. but also I just don't know how that would have, how that would have worked. I think if they did it early enough, like in season three, it would have worked, but really? I would have been devastated. I, I think everyone would have been devastated. You know, it's interesting too, is that hearing from so many fans of the show, how even with her part, not, being written as fully formed as we would have liked her to be. Mm -hmm. So many fans adored her. Adored I know. I adored her. And so many people needed that caring, kind, simple mother figure in their lives. See, and now this is interesting because I'm going to tell you something. I never saw her as that. So when I was growing up, she reminded me a lot of my mother. And when I was young, I imagined my mother as like this tough, steely, resolve woman. Do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't yeah. get the kind, caring, like Carolyn was not soft, in my opinion. Like in my, in my retrospect. Yeah. She was fucking hard as nails, you know, and a great mother for that. But she was like some kind of really tough figure it's yeah interesting it's interesting because she also reminded me of my mother and this is the the positives of it in her kindness and in her sensitivity I was mm -hmm. very lucky to have a mother like that but she yeah. also kind of sounded and she didn't look like my mother but there was a lot of similarities between the two physically yeah. as well as her voice had a quality that my mother also had mm -hmm. um 
but it's interesting. So I actually was trying to figure this out a couple years ago and I, I sort of went on the fan pages on Facebook and asked, and I said, you know, I understand if you came from a not so nice household, you know, whether mm -hmm. you had abusive parents, whether you're in the foster care system, whether, sure. you know, wh whatever it was, and that you gravitated towards Ma and Pa, but Ma, especially because she filled that gap of what you didn't have in your life. But it's sure. also interesting that people who had really good childhoods also gravitated towards her. Yeah. Well, and this is the one thing too, like no one is that happy all the time, especially no one is that happy to be with their kids 24 seven. No, no. <laughs> Nobody is working their ass. My husband's no, a union a carpenter. Parody. He works his ass off. When he comes home, he doesn't want to like, regale us with fiddle playing or sit no. around and read poetry to us God love him. he's tired <laughs> he's tired yeah for sure. okay at dinner edwards is regaling the girls with tales of his near-death accidents including a tree falling on him him becoming a blood brother to some indigenous peoples and he also tries to tell them that he is sitting bull and Carrie gives Jack some of her food and Mary narks her out. And I wrote, Mary's probably writing down everything that everybody's doing wrong so she can give a full report to mom when she gets back. <laughs> so the girls start doing the dishes and Mary's telling Laura the story that they've been told about Custer's last stand in Sitting Bull. Yo, yo, aim, aim. Oh, God. Yo. What, Jenny, what? <laughs> I have an index card. God, I hate you so much. You said custard. Come on. Even though you're 300 miles away from me and not on. <laughs> Dude, you know I love this shit. All right. Go what ahead. was custard's last stand? So custard's last stand, and it's custard. I don't know if people custard. love to say custard, but no, it's custard. It was during the Battle of Little Bighorn in 1876, known to the Plain, Plains Native Americans as the Battle of Greasy Grass. Grass. Okay. But it's more commonly referred to as Custer's Last Stand. It was an armed engagement between the Lakota Sioux, which we hear about all the time in Little House, yep. Northern Cheyenne and Arkapako tribes. I probably said that wrong. And the 7th Cavalry Regiment of the U.S. Army. By the way, I cannot spell cavalry, just so, we, just so you know. Mm, I spelled it 16 okay. different ways. Okay. The battle, which resulted in the defeat of the U.S. Army, was the most significant action of the Great Sioux War in 1876. The fight was an overwhelming victory. The fight was an overwhelming victory led by Chief Gall and Crazy Horse and had been inspired by the visions of Sitting Bull. Five of the five of the Seventh Cavalry's eleven companies were wiped out. Custer, wow. two of his brothers, a nephew, and a brother-in-law were all killed. The Great Sioux War was largely caused because of the tensions the tensions were rising from the US squeezing Native American tribes into smaller and smaller areas known as reservations, stealing their land and depriving them of their livelihoods. Mainly this was hunting the buffalo. Mm -hmm. So how the battle kind of so first of all, you have to know something about Custer. He he was kind of like a fuck up. The dude was mm -hmm. like he graduated like last in his class from like West Point. He, like, married somebody who had some, like, political standing. So, like, he mm -hmm. was able to get, like, some posts in the military. What what helped him was the Civil War was just breaking out when he was leaving West Point. Okay. So, like, they just needed people. And he was like, me, 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 me. So he he was in the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, he did fight for the Union. I had to look that up because I wasn't quite sure what side he landed <laughs> on in that. 
Uh, he is from Ohio, but I don't know. I just always think of him as like a little bit problematic. So. Right. Right. Um, so he did rise to like a high command just because he happened to be there. Like he wasn't the, the best general in the world, okay. the best um, commander in the world. So the great, uh, in, in this battle, how this went on the evening of June 24th, Custer's, Custer's scout arrives at the outlook. So they, they would employ native Americans as scouts so that mm-hmm. they wouldn't get caught. The overlook was called the crow's nest. They reported seeing a massive pony herd and signs of the native American village. So they, the scouts would have been out perhaps a day ahead of the army. Right. And they're just like surveying land, checking out what's going right. on. Right. So after a night's march, a tired officer reports that he can neither see he could see neither the um, pony herd or the signs of the the village. Custer confirmed this. So the army gets there the next day, and they're saying we can't see this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but then the scouts were you know further out ahead of them, and they're like, "Yo, we could see your cooking fires. Like, like you're oh, you're wow. giving away your location." Yeah. Custer was planning a surprise attack, but then they received a report that they had been discovered by hostiles on the trail left by his troops. So they had, they ran into a group of native Americans on the trail that they had left mm-hmm. behind. So they assumed they had been, their position was known by the okay. native Americans. The group of native Americans, however, were actually leaving and hadn't alerted the village, but Custer didn't know this. Oh, okay. Um, even though warned that, the village was the largest they had ever seen. This is the Native American scouts. Mm-hmm. He thought it was not a lot. Custer assumed again mm-hmm. because he couldn't see. Like you know, they, they didn't have the best equipment to like see far away at this time. Yeah. For some reason, he assumed it was a lot of women and children, and not a like a lot of warriors. I don't know why he think that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why either, and it <laughs> disturbs me that he was like. Oh, let's just go in because they're all women and children. And then, like, their scouts were sent out. They kept getting spotted. Yada, yada, yada. He dismissed the scout. They charge. And then, of course, there's a giant force of, like, really skilled warriors. And there's chaos. And they're defeated. And I told you, him and, like, half of his family were killed. So it didn't, oh. didn't end very well for him. But ultimately, wow. you know, ultimately we were successful in that we, as in the U.S. Army, yeah, don't you lump know. me in with that we. Yeah, not me. <laughs> I mean, we, we're we all part of that, though. Yeah, I know. All right, Jenny, go back to your cave or wherever the hell you... Whatever. Stop talking, about, <laughs> stop talking about uh, American history without me. Yeah, okay. Get some acting lessons while you're at it. Bye. So Mary and Laura then put Carrie to bed, and they want a story from Edwards. And I just wrote, can we cut to Mankato already and see what's going on in the bank trip? I don't want this. All right, now finally, we get to Mom Pa and they're sleeping outside by a fire. What are your thoughts here? Okay, well, first of all, I have a couple of questions. A couple of questions. <laughs> One, how can Pa actually go away for an entire week? Like, isn't he supposed to be farming? How does that work? I don't know. Jenny and I talk so about just, this all the time. Like, we thought they were destitute, especially in these early seasons. No, exactly. So, like, how are they going to a restaurant? How are they buying tickets to a show? How are they buying a bonnet for Ma? I, I don't, don't get know. it. Mm-mm. That's one question. Second question is, can someone please explain to me what's going on with Carrie's hair? Because <laughs> it is chopped. It is chopped up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, Short in the front, party in the back, but not even anywhere. And then it's sort of like balayage on the ends. 
Um, why didn't they just cut her hair so it was even? So uh, it's so confusing to me. What is that? So I watched um, Jenny and I are covering next week the last farewell, the movie where they blow up the houses. Oh boy. And I got a shot of Rose, and she was about Carrie's age as Carrie is here now. Okay. And I noticed how similar they look. I'm thinking it's a hairstylist on the set because they both had the the blunt cut bangs. But then I noticed Carrie kind of has like far away eyes. You know what I mean? Uh, like that, uh, that Rolling like Stone that. song. Uh-huh. Like she's a little bit like, what's going on over there? Uh-huh. <laughs> like she's just oh, not. I, sound, I call her, oh, Carrie. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Yep. But I agree with you. So when we're at the fire, though, Ma has crisis fire- here. Ma has, yes, her hair is, is definitely, yes. It's crisis like, hair, but it's also her, known as sexy hair. It's the sexy, it's a sexy, beautiful, sexy hair. Mm-hmm. And also like her bare arms, that might as well be equivalent to her being completely topless. It is so shocking to see her with those bare arms. And, and I mean, it's the only time we ever see, we ever see her that way. And it's it's truly shocking to see it's those, shocking. their arms it's shocking. on her, mm-hmm. and it's so freaking sexy. The two of them um, not doing anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's so weird. It's so hot it's so, just to watch them lying next to each so, other. Yes, and the setup is so romantic and and hot, mm-hmm. and they both look so good. And she has her bare arms and the sex hair. And um, they're like pilgrims in this yeah, scene. They're not banging. Because she's like, she wakes up in a cold sweat thinking about the eggs and how she doesn't want the girls to forget them. And Charles decides he's going to bribe her not to think about or talk about the girls any longer. And if she sticks to this, he'll buy her a bonnet. Which is like. With what? Wow. With what money? With what? With what? Um, yeah, yeah. Poor, poor Pa. Yeah. Pa's getting a little frustrated. So Here. cut to the house and Carrie is screaming, crying. Okay, this is what I want to know. Okay. She was actually really crying in this scene. Yeah. And I want to know what horrible thing did, did somebody they do pinch her? To right. Girl? Yeah. yeah. What did they do to her to get her to cry? Because that was a real cry. And I actually was like, oh my God, what did they do to her? Yeah. She was <laughs> really like crying. That. It was heartbreaking, actually. And as much as I rag on Carrie and I do rag on her all the time, mm-hmm. there are certain mm-hmm. moments where you're like, oh, Carrie. I know. And this was a I moment know. where I was like, oh, this, I agree. this little girl. I agree. This uh, would, the way that Edwards handles this, though, is very similar to how my sister would handle it. He comes out yeah. and he looks at her and he's like, okay, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> and she's like, she's just sobbing. And he's like, are you hungry? I'll make some dinner. And then he's going, there has to be a better system than this. A man just can't be getting up in the middle of the night. And he turns around and she's gone. Right. And she's in her bed sleeping. We don't know what this was about. No. maybe Michael Landon put her in that chair, pinched her thigh, and (laughs) roll tape. (laughs) I actually thought, I mean, it's certainly not against any of my maternal parenting, you know, um, instincts to be like, what's this? Come on. What the hell's going on? I will say, like, he was very, very sweet. And it was very I love him. I love him. Yes. Um, but you know, hug the little girl. Hug her. He's doing his best. He is. I'm not mad at him. I am not mad at him. I don't know if she would want a hug because if you notice in the last scene when he leaves, he has the same clothes on, has never taken a bath, and it's been like four <laughs> days. 
so. he wears the same thing every day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. can you imagine what he smells like yeah i know and Ooh. he looks like he smells too yes, that's that's the thing i mean i love mr edwards but he looks like he smells yes he does so the next day, the girls oversleep, they run to school, and Edwards is chilling at home with Carrie. We see some hijinks with Edwards trying to hang the sheets out, Carrie's pulling them down into the dirt, then she ties herself to a pole. Like, none of this is surprising. No. Um, no. We see them walking down a hill, Jack starts to go bananas, it's a rattlesnake, Edwards shoots it and makes a soup from it. Now the girls are home, and they take one whiff of this, quote, engine stew that he's making. Uh -huh. Mm -hmm. And they want to vomit all over the place. And I can't even imagine what this freaking tastes like. He said he learned it from some Sioux Indians and then added some of his own stuff in. Uh -huh. um, I think that's where you went wrong, Edwards. Yeah. Because <laughs> what is he adding in? He's probably adding in like pepper and Tabasco or something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, right? you're probably right. Yeah. So meanwhile in Mankato, uh, Charles and Carolyn are at a fancy restaurant Carolyn loves the food and she says, you know, I sure hope the girls are being well fed. Meanwhile, Mary and Laura are literally choking this down and Carrie's like feeding it to Jack and even he doesn't want it. So I had, and I did as a kid and I was surprised, but I, but that I had the same exact response to this part as an adult, mm -hmm. this scene repulses the crud out of me. I, I, I'm someone that's really grossed out by snakes. Like I really oh, yeah. have an aversion yeah. to snakes. Yeah. And so seeing it being blown, its head being blown off, then him dangling this dead snake in his hand is already like, ugh, cringe Do we factor. think they really shot it? <laughs> it would I mean, not surprise it, was me. the it would 70s. not surprise me. I know. I was going to say like, no, of course they didn't, but it was the 70s. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I don't know. They might very well might have. They might have. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, and then watching them eat, watching Carrie slurp chew with it running out of her mouth <laughs> what I'm imagining what is supposed to be the snake meat just mm-hmm. disgusts me to like it revolts me like it makes me feel sick to my stomach yeah a whole new level whole a whole level so this scene always like made me kind of pukey <laughs> I wouldn't want to eat it either <laughs> so on the bang trip no I'm wrong that night Edwards is reading the girls a story and he's winging it because he doesn't know how to read. And everyone knows this, but I forgot that. I I guess I forgot it was this early. Yeah. I forgot too. I totally forgot. And when I rewatch it, I was like, cause Laura teaches him, right? I think so. He does learn to read eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he becomes fluent in sign language in season nine. Yes. He sure does. Like overnight. Yep. So on the bang trip, uh, Care gets up and she thinks she hears Carrie crying. She's like, Carrie, Carrie. And we have shirtless Paul. Oh my God. It's so good. I mean, it truly is a stand up and clap moment. He looks particularly beautiful. He looks, he, looks, he is glowing. He, he, we've seen him chestless before, but there is something about this particular scene that he looks indescribably gorgeous. <laughs> now she is not she is not sleeveless in this one. So right, he's got right. the top off this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's got it on. Um and I'm she so is glad so... to have a fellow Paul lover to talk about this scene <laughs> to break this out me. <laughs> well it's it's a hard scene to watch because the man just wants some action and she is so not interested i know i know it's bizarro like what why couldn't they have given ma a little sex appeal a right? little something just something I, it's just not fair to deny that character some human like yeah content. like they could have just had them like kiss and then fade to black yes so we know they're banging but this yes. was nothing No, no. Not only was this nothing, the scene literally ends with Pa sexually frustrated, (laughs) eyes open, back in bed with his wife sleeping next to him. Like, it's a whole scene. Do we think he was, do we think he was secretly jerking off under the covers? He had to. (laughs) He had to. I mean, he had to, poor guy. (laughs) You saw the blue balls. He's like, (laughs) I spent all that goddamn money on that fucking bonnet oh no he didn't buy the bonnet yet i promised the bonnet i bought you that dinner but also like when else are they gonna have any kind of alone time let alone in a beautiful bed in a hotel i know i know give me a break anyone who's ever had kids that's what he said give me a break anyone who's ever had kids knows the value of a good hotel when those kids are young you go to that hotel (laughs) oh and enjoy that hotel Okay, so at home, there's a storm, and Mary and Laura can't sleep. So Mary realizes Edwards doesn't know how to read. They talk about it, and then Laura realizes they forgot the eggs, and if they forget, a hen could sit on them, and they'll go bad. Now, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Jenny and I know nothing about wildlife. Not I don't know if this I. is true. I didn't I even know how either. an egg came out. I have no it idea. Seems, it seems weird that the egg would go bad if 
maybe if the hen sits on them, they start to develop and you oh, want to get them before they start developing. Maybe. That's my only takeaway. And God, it's shameful. I don't know anything about this. So I'm sorry. Don't listeners. worry. Our, our listeners will correct me. Too. <laughs> they'll, they'll correct right. us. All right. So they, they light a lamp, even though they're not supposed to. Mary's very quick to point that out. Well, and we they, know Mary they, starts some fires with those lamps. Yes, she does. They head out to the chicken coop and Mary's apprehensive. She wants to wake up Edwards. Now the hens start freaking out. Edwards gets up. He hears this. Goes over. Why didn't they? they, Of course they should have woken up Edwards. And it's so dumb because he looks out and there are literally like two little people with hair bonnets on. Yes. It doesn't occur to you that's Laura and Mary? They're clearly Laura and Mary. Right. But he decides (laughs) he's going to get a shotgun and he's going to, you know, think about and how this, wrong this could have went. And this is the part where Mr. Edwards kills the Ingalls girl. The <laughs> end. <laughs> like, wow, that would have taken it. That would have been a whole different story. It's it's like the Walking Dead. Like, look at the flowers. Let's yes. just. <laughs> okay. So they come in. They startle him. He shoots a hole in the roof. This is the that's, hijinks. That's a powerful bullet because yeah. a big portion of that roof came off. Yes. It's a shotgun. It's it's he would have uh, destroyed those two girls if he yes, shot them. Oh my yes. god. So he starts yelling at them. Mary starts crying. He sends them to bed. Now on the bank trip, we see Carolyn in a store and she's trying on a new bonnet. It's two dollars and fifty cents, and Carolyn's like, Oh, it's too extravagant. I can't do it. it. I can't do it. It is <laughs> Where do they have two dollars and fifty cents? I know, I know. They could like they Charles has sell the farm eighteen times in season yes. one. So as they're in this shop, things go real dark because this woman comes in. She's like, "Have you seen my kids?" And the shopkeeper's like, "No, I haven't." Then the woman leaves, and the shopkeeper's like, "Oh, her kids are dead. They died in the fire <laughs> because she left twist. them." In a wicked twist. Yes. Oh my god! You know this actually happened to somebody in my family. Oh no. Like one of my father's like distant cousins, the mother was a single mother and she wanted to go out for the night. So she had like a neighbor come over and babysit and they all got gassed from the stove. (gasps) And so she came home because again, no, no phones, right? It's like the forties and her entire family is dead and the neighbor. Oh my God. Could you imagine? No, I couldn't. And I actually, and I actually thought after I watched this scene, like, Oh yeah, I'd be that crazy lady if something yeah. like that happened to me. Yeah, because you would just like shut it off in your brain. Uh, yep. Absolutely. Yep. Ugh. So Carolyn's like, uh, I don't feel so good right now because I, Edwards. I yeah. Is, and you know what? Good for her mother's intuition because Edwards almost did just shoot your children. That's so there correct. you go. So um, also, they just talk about how ridiculous this bonnet would have been had uh, she bought it. It's like it's, it was. It was fancier than any of Harriet Olsen's bonnets. Like, and it's pink, pink, right? It was pink. What? Was it purple? With like pink purple. Carolyn over... wears blue. She's in the blues. Yeah, and browns. Blues yes. and browns. Yes. But it, it so wasn't practical. And there's no way, even like at a country dance, if you mm-hmm. want to dress up, she still wouldn't have worn that bonnet on the prairie. Although, it would have matched Pa's pink striped shirt. That would have been <laughs> and nice. And they could have it in, in sweet, sweet, sexy time. Alone <laughs> she could time be wearing only the bonnet <laughs> and they could right. be dancing. <laughs> okay. So at home, Edwards is repairing the roof. What's that? 
Put some popcorn in the bonnet. That'll be their goal. <laughs> At home, Edwards is repairing the roof and he suddenly realizes he's lost sight of Carrie. And I just wrote, she's a huge pain in the ass. She sure is. So I mean, she had, she, I will give it to her in this episode. She had a few very authentically sweet moments where I was like, oh, Carrie. And okay, then, you well, know, you said that, not me. Then she's back to being, <laughs> oh, Carrie. <laughs> it's very... So he's like, he's in a complete panic. We all know this panic. I don't know if you've ever had a moment where like your kid is out of your sight or something and you just panic. Yes, it's awful. He has this panic and then all of a sudden she's like, boo, pops out from under the bed. Like I would have beat the shit out of her. I know, you just want to smack her. (laughs) So then we see he has Carrie on the roof and Laura and Mary are coming home from school and they're like, oh no, 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 no. And he's like, oh, it's fine. I nailed her dress to the roof. Now, I don't know much about science, but I do know she could still fly out of that and the dress would rip. Yeah, fabric rips every now and then yeah um but i will say i feel like this moment with her on the roof i feel like that's um that that image i feel like sort of is an iconic little house moment of her on the roof yes for some reason in my brain that stands out as being like oh yeah here's an iconic moment okay with her nailed to the roof with mr (laughs) edward maybe that's just me oh classic classic isaiah yeah classic (laughs) correct so now Carolyn and Charles are going to see a play to take their minds off of, again, spending money like it's water. Yep. And they end up, it ends up being a play called Abandoned Daughters. Buy Ma a stove with this money, for God's sake. There we go. There we go. Yes. Sorry. Sorry, back to the money thing. Okay, here we so go. Back to the play. Carolyn cries the entire time because there's this kid on stage who's like, oh, I miss my mother. Why did you leave us? It's... if. If Carrie was like multiplied by five, that's this kid on the stage. And <laughs> Carolyn's crying and Pa's like, okay, we'll leave for home first thing in the morning. Okay, here's a fun, what I guarantee is a fact Ooh, that okay. I never realized and I wouldn't have realized had I not just recently listened to um, Mo Rocca's podcast. Oh, okay, Mo I love Mo. Rocca. I love Mora. I love mm-hmm. him so much. Me too. He has a podcast called Mobituaries, and he features one person who's now deceased. Oh, wow. Sort of That's like cool. your biography. Mm-hmm. He did an episode about a woman named June Foray, who was the female Mel Blanc of her time. So Mel Blanc being the voice, the man of a thousand voices, yep. Bugs Bunny yep. and everything. So she was the woman that did every voice that was never credited. That's why we don't oh, know what her name is. Okay. So she did the voices of like Rocky and Bullwinkle and all of those voices mm-hmm. were hers. This is her voice doing all of those play characters. Really? If you listen to it, you're like, oh, that's Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh my God. <laughs> now I'm going to have to go back. I'm going to have to go back. It's the first time I realized that because I never knew who she was. Okay. Um, so when I listened to that, to that scene, I was like, oh my God. That's June Foray. That that's her. Like that's her voice. So they clearly hired her to come in to do all of these character voices for this play that they were okay. watching. Um, so that was just sort of a little like fun fact. And I looked in the credits after to see if they credit they did not credit of her. Of course. Of course. Um, but it's interesting that they didn't use Allison Arngrim's mother. Who is also a famous voiceover artist yeah. who did voices Casper and Gumby and yeah. all of those. Hmm. But it was 
I mean, I will bet my life on it that this is June Foray doing those voices. That's awesome. Just fun fact. I don't know if anyone else is interested. I'm going to listen to Mobituaries. It's great. It's a great podcast. Right up my alley. It's great. Okay. So Carolyn and Paul are now driving home and she's like, are you disappointed? Yes, he's disappointed. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He wanted to have sex one time. One time. Yeah. Without I mean, Mary threatening to knock him out and run downstairs, or without Mary in an open plan bedroom. <laughs> so she said, "I didn't even earn my bonnet because I talked and worried about the children the whole time." And Paul, being the gracious Paul that he is, he's just like, "It's fine. It's fine." Yep. You yep. know, I took care of myself under those covers the other night. Yep. I'm good. I'm good. Yep. So. At home, the girls are riding Edwards around like a horse. Do you remember doing that when you were a kid? Like, there would be the adults that you would ride around like a horse. I remember that. And I also, watching this, thought, like, God bless him. Like, God bless any adult that has enough energy. And he's doing this as a favor to them, too. And he still wants to roughhouse like that. I know. And he's probably, like, in his mid-40s. And at that time, that was, like, 70. Yeah. And he's taking care of all these kids and he just had to repair the roof and take care of a farm and whatever. And, you know, do the washing. Hey, can we just shout out and agree that probably the best invention of the 20th century was the washing machine? Oh my God. Tied with the vacuum. Tied with the vacuum. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I mean, so Edwards, he throws out his back and he's like, this has happened before. And the last time I just cussed a lot. And Laura goes, we could go outside. Best line, best line of that episode when she well they went well. What did you do last time? They went, well, I re- I recall I cussed a lot. I thought that is a great freaking line. That's I think I line. audibly laughed at that yep. one. It was a fantastic line, and the way that he did it was so good. He's he's amazing. I love him. Yeah. So at Nell's he's now like, we're at now we're incredible actor. Now we're at the Mercantile. Speaking of incredible actors, I love Nell's and Harriet so much. I mean, I hate Harriet. But I love yes. her. She's a genius. Mm-hmm. She's a genius. And he's so wonderful, too. Yeah. God, the did, show he die, did he die shortly after the show? He's not alive, right? So. He's not. Um, I think he lasted a while. A little bit? Okay. Yeah. Nels just always seemed to me like he was 80. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so many... Listen, like, I think we've all gotten more youthful as the decades have gotten on you know oh like, yeah is the new 30 60 yeah. is the new 40 well, that's you know? what like skincare and stuff will do for you yeah you know i was watching i've been watching um i'm revisiting all in the family oh i want I, I thought that would be i loved that show and i thought this would be interesting to revisit it so i started from season one i'm in the middle of season two now and there was a scene in it the other day well, first of all, Archie Bunker is in his 40s. I was just going to say, the Bunkers are like, Archie needed, they're like 40. They're in their later 40s, which yes. is just insane yes. to me. Yes. Insane to me. I know. The Golden Girls were like 50. 50. Supposed to be about mm-hmm. 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so age is just... We talk about that all the time. Because you'll see somebody and you're like, oh, I think they're 70, but they're probably 35. 
Yes, it yeah. is crazy. I was watching an episode of the Golden Girls the other night and it was like Blanche's brother came to visit and he looked well <laughs> into his 50s, at least mid 50s, at least mm -hmm. minimum. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you're 45 years old. And I was <laughs> like, like oh. oh God. You oh died a little bit. Died. <laughs> yeah, died a lot inside. So we go to Nell's and Laura comes in with the eggs and tells Nell's, my mom will be back tomorrow. But Nels is like, mm, actually, they're right there. Yeah. And Laura's like, oh, shit. And she she tells Nels, like, can you stall them? I got to run home and warn everybody. Now, do you remember doing this kind of stuff? Like somebody was coming over or mom was coming home and yes. you had to, like, do the scramble to get your room well, clean. You just threw everything well in the closet. My, well into my college years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Jenny would probably say she does it now when my mom and I are on our way to her apartment. So they arrive home and everybody's like hugging them and loving them. I always say one of my favorite parts of Little House always was when Paul would come down that driveway yeah, and Carolyn would come running out of the house and he would yeah. pick her up and twirl her around. You know, that was so great. But now we see like the kids greeting him and poor Edwards is just hunched over the water barrel like Ooh, I'm I'm in a lot of pain here. Charles says the trip was great and, you know, they didn't worry Lies. at all. Lies. Then, then he pats Edwards on the back real hard and Edwards just leaves. And I wrote, wait a minute. Did he only have those clothes? He didn't have he, his long johns or anything? Well, no, he had nothing because he just walked up to the house that day and then stayed for the rest of the week. Yeah. <laughs> he had nothing with him. He Could had you imagine nothing. just living that kind of existence. No, also, like, what kind of shithole must he been living in for him to happily be like, I'm staying here for the week, no problem. Yeah, it's wild. Well, so this is season one. Did he have the, the still out in the back of his house yet? I don't know. Oh, that's we a don't, great question. We don't see him drinking. No. No. Mm-mm. Hmm. All right, so at the end of every episode, we look back on theme or a lesson, something we take from the rewatch or something we remember from when we first saw the episode. We called our why. It's designed to finish the sentence, Gen X, this is why. So I'll go, I'll go with my why, and then we'll come to you. Okay. So my why is, this is why we always thought bang trips were important. <laughs> because we didn't always think that. I was not thinking about bang trip when I was a kid. But revisiting this as an adult, I am like, and, and I'm not even saying like, oh, the sex starred man. Like, it's not that. It's Carolyn oh. too. Like, they deserve some intimacy and couple time away from these kids. Like, that is something that is, I think, a progression that we have made that I'm really grateful for is that we have started to understand that women especially have to be separate from their kids at times. And I'm really grateful for that. And we see that. Like, we see Charles trying to get her to to be separate from them and to be herself. And even though it's for selfish reasons of wanting to have this bang trip or whatever, I still think he's, he's trying to care for her in a way. And she's just not, not letting him. And I get it. I get it. It's a, it's an impulse we all have, mm -hmm. but I think bang trips well, are probably important. when you're isolated on a prairie and your kids are the only thing you have, I'm sure yeah. the, the attachment is, is, much more intense, but my grandmother was like this. Her kids yeah. were her entire life. Everything. Yeah. And then we were her entire life. And then my kids were her entire life. Like yeah. it just, she was widowed when she was 40. So it was like, we were just, you know what I mean? Her entire existence. 
All right, Pamela, let's hear what is your why for this? Well, I mean, mine is similar to yours of like how my why is how important it is to maintain your relationship with your partner that is separate from your parenting roles. A hundred percent. Because that's, you could easily become roommates and partners. And when you're with sexy, chesty Charles, you know, who wants to be just roommates with that? <laughs> Not I mean, she's perfectly fine. <laughs> she's too preoccupied with the kids. Oh my God. Oh. It's just, he's so oh, stunning. I'd be chasing him around in the fields. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's stunning. Um, I recently just discovered this past year that people think Doc Baker is hot, which is not. No, I no. Get, I know. I cannot no. get behind it. It's the hot I, doc thing, right? That you're I talking know. About? Hot doc. Ugh. No. Mm-mm. Nope. I don't know um, if you've heard us talk about, we, we rag on him a lot. Okay, like we love I mean, him as I an love actor, Doc Baker, but yes. I know. But we rag yeah. on him because we said he just does ocular pat downs. Like he's just like, oh well, you're either gonna live or maybe you won't. We don't know. Time will or, tell. Or he knows something that no country doctor should, should ever know. know. <laughs> That's like way advanced. <laughs> you're like, how do you, how do you know that, Doc? No, I know. He's a genius. All right. So that's all we have for today. I want to thank you so much. I want to thank you so much. I I just adore you. I love the podcast. I love what you guys thank have you. been doing. It's so fun talking to you. And I want to keep talking to you even if you don't do the podcast anymore. Well, what we're <laughs> going to start doing is we're going to do a monthly podcast and we're going to still talk about Gen X stuff. So we're going to do like, we have this little sub-series we do like Gen X, that was a thing where we talk yeah. about, you know, cultural milestones from Gen X, yes. stuff like that so we're going to be doing stuff it just Good. won't be weekly so, so we'll it's be such here. A, it's such a unique voice and um Thank you. It's, it's um it's just so much fun and it's so nice to talk with people who like get you, you yes know? yes and a fellow 77er Yes. <laughs> yes. If you have not already check out living on a prairie tv.com I mean it is amazing you will love it so much she i love the i don't know what episode it is when they're fighting about the waltons versus little house because that is my husband and me that's Mm -hmm. episode four yeah that's that's us he will never win the fight it's it's not a thing it's not a thing and if you know on instagram we're at prairie tv so you can come and check out some stuff there too and thank you thank you and and wish us luck we're still working on it good luck fingers crossed all right guys thanks for listening and we'll see you soon
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.